Hello and welcome to How to Be Happy with Dr. Wendy. Inside of you is an infinitely compassionate and wise being you never knew existed. I'm Dr. Wendy Hill, talking to you from Encinitas, California, where I help people with their personal and spiritual growth through workshops and one-on-one meetings. Let's explore together how to find your true self and to live the life you were meant to live. We will talk about everything from how to heal your inner child and transform your current life to how to connect with your highest self and to connect with others in ways that bring joy. My guests will be clients, friends, other professionals, and maybe even you. So I invite you to relax and open your mind and your heart. This is an adventure we all share. My guest today is Mari Young who recently went through my workshop, The Renaissance Experience, which is a five-day intensive personal and spiritual growth workshop. So welcome, Mari. I'm glad to have you here. Dr. Wendy, I'm so happy to be back. Um, Will you talk a little bit about what you mentioned just now, just the act of belief restructuring and how you help people transform the way they think, feel, and act? Well, I'm so glad you, you're asking me to do this because it's very, very basic to what I do. So our core beliefs, our beliefs that we carry about ourselves, that we've carried often, sometimes even since the womb, since birth, since early childhood. And these core beliefs are very simple, like how worthy am I? How loved am I? How safe am I? Am I good or am I bad? Am I innocent or guilty? And these core beliefs are formed very, very early, oftentimes before we even remember. Definitely that we don't remember. I remember in the workshop, there were certain aspects of my childhood that I I had never thought about before or explored. And I look back on that time and think, I was so happy. I had, I did have a wonderful upbringing in so many ways. But like you said, there are core beliefs we form without even realizing it. And without realizing it, they affect our adult life very much and how, like you said, how we think, how we act, how we go about our daily life, how we carry ourselves. and That's so true. And, you know, core beliefs are formed in a time when we're so fragile and vulnerable. You know, as babies and children, we're just unwritten piece of paper. And mm-hmm. whatever happens to us, whatever our experience is, gets interpreted. We make decisions, even as early as in the womb. You know, a fetus thinks, even though our mind is still developing. We we are still responding to what mother is feeling, what mother is expressing, what she even eats or what she takes in her body. And those moments of birth and those moments after birth and throughout infancy and childhood, every experience we have to us is brand new. We have no way to compare or make a decision compared to another experience. So we accept everything literally. And that means that whatever our experience is, we make a decision on it. Say, for example, 
that mother and father are having an argument or mother's not feeling well or even worse if mother is drinking or smoking the tiny baby inside a mother is actually experiencing listening and feeling what's going on within and outside of mother and making decisions on those experiences so that if you're a tiny baby and you're curled up inside of your mother and you're hearing an argument go on between mom and dad, you don't have a perspective that the argument may not be an upsetting one to them. It might just be them trying to figure something out, or it might be something that happens all the time. But you can you imagine what it would feel like to be a tiny baby, a fetus growing, hearing this without a perspective? What do you think would you'd be feeling like, Mari? You would be feeling quite alone. I I remember in the workshop revisiting some of those times and realizing that in in that moment I didn't have the language, the rationality, the adult mind to understand my circumstance. And one of the biggest things I learned from you is that although these events might be in the past and I'm an adult now, I, and I, I certainly wish that I could have had this adult mind in the past. I, it doesn't mean that I can't revisit those moments and do healing around it. That's just so beautiful the way you said that. Uh, these moments that are early, and not, it doesn't have to be just in the womb. It can be at birth and as an infant, as a child, even um, up until about the age of eight. You know, there are those who say that our core beliefs are formed at birth or even before birth. Um, but as we mature and grow, say, up till four years old, we're still extremely vulnerable and fragile, and our minds are just so new. And so up until those womb to age four and five to seven and eight to ten, really vulnerable times, the older we get, the more experience we have, the more we're able to have perspective and not take things so deeply. So these experiences that we have are called, I call them high-impact moments. And they are moments and events that occur that deeply impact us to the point where we make a decision. And the decision a baby might have in the womb, hearing mom and dad, for example, arguing, might be, it's my fault. I have to do something to change myself. And so... uh, Out of that decision may come behavior such as withdrawing or absolutely not allowing oneself to be powerful. So I know that you had some experiences like that, didn't you? I did, and it really hit home that what you just said about allowing oneself to be powerful. In the workshop with you, Dr. Wendy, I revisited a moment in the womb, or rather my birth situation, my in vitro, my the day that I was born, and I have a twin brother, and and it was quite traumatic to have a brother who, in my situation, was not ready to be born, or rather, did not want to be born, as opposed to me. And I was I was the baby whose water broke, and I was re- I was already facing, as my mother describes to me sometimes, I was already facing down months before my birth. So you were eager to come out into the world and excited to was, be to be powerful and you felt your brother the opposite didn't want to. So what what decision did you make about yourself? The core belief that I formed about myself at that point was basically that if I allowed myself to be powerful in the way that I knew I was capable that that I would hurt people, namely my brother, that that perhaps it was my fault that he 
wasn't ready to be born. Exactly, and that's the way an, an infant thinks, a baby thinks. So from that decision then came certain patterns of behavior. How did you then begin to act based on that core belief? It was completely, it was transformational for me to look at this and accept this, but I had been, like you said before, I had been not allowing myself to be powerful for so long. Throughout my my adolescence and into my early 20s, I was... I was robbing myself of basic nutrients because I struggled with an eating disorder. It was a, a pretty straightforward way for me to cope with these feelings of, of guilt around my birth and feelings about perhaps that my power would hurt others. And so I, I denied myself power. I denied myself nourishment. And so denying yourself power, you, when you made that decision that you couldn't be powerful uh, in order to somehow save your brother, right? Mm-hmm. You began then to to have patterns of behavior where you would hold yourself back, maybe not saying what you needed to say, Mm -hmm. or maybe not eating the right kind of food, hence getting what you talked about earlier, the eating disorder. So these patterns all related to this original core belief you took on in the womb. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, it was, I talk about it now as if it's so factual, but there was a point in time when this information was so new to me. It was, I had never considered in my life that some of these behaviors, my failure to to advocate for myself and feeling like my needs were never met, where actually this feeling came from from years before I ever imagined. And, and having been regressed back to that point and revisiting a moment that I previously hadn't even remembered it was amazing so decisions are made during high these high impact moments and these high impact moments always have strong emotion so in your case when you notice that your brother didn't want to be born he was facing the other way Mm -hmm. he had to have his water broken just to get him out Mm -hmm. and he had to be dragged out of the womb Mm -hmm. so another thing that I found out recently they had to use forceps he actually had to be pulled out. Yeah. 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 So all you are experiencing all this and very strong emotion is always surrounded, always a part of when we make these core belief decisions. So the emotion that you may have had may have been extreme fear or guilt. Do you remember what, and when you did the workshop, what you were experiencing when you did that regression? Extreme fear, definitely definitely sums it up it was and and that turned into guilt eventually like you said it was I was so afraid I mean and it was beyond words because I didn't have words yet I was an infant and I I and that guilt was something I carried for so many years and it was despair too it was feeling like I'd abandoned somebody who I loved the only person that I knew besides my mother was this other baby in the womb with me so you know, I, it's so, so profound what you're, what you're saying is that something that you completely forgot, didn't have any information on it consciously, you were able to go back to have that memory, not only have the memory, but to have the emotion that you felt at the time so that you could actually know what caused you to think, feel, and act in ways so that you could transform it mm-hmm. and transform your life in the present. So, you know, they say you can never go back, but you can. You can go back and you can change your perception of actually what happened. Right. Because we think so literally sometimes we think, 
okay, I can't go back to this moment. I wasn't consciously aware, but it's it's not that you physically go back. It's that you emotionally travel back to that time and you, and you, like you said, you change your perspective on it. And that was something I never realized I had the capacity to do before. Well, you know, most people say, you know, how can I fix something that I can't remember? And so that's what regression is for. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, too, what your experiences mm-hmm. of that. So just to review here, we've got patterns that get created of emotion, thought, and behavior. And these patterns that come out of these core beliefs of whether we're worthy or not worthy, safe or not safe, good or bad, etc., all color our choices and perceptions that reinforce then the core beliefs. So that if you have a thought that you're not worthy, you're going to behave as though that were true. And then that behavior is going to bring about responses from others and results from environment and experience that reinforce that core belief that you're not worthy. It's almost like a confirmation bias. It's it's that perfect attraction. If I believe that inside myself that I'm not worthy, which I did for so long, I'm like you said, I'm going to attract experiences and people in my life that will confirm that no matter how successful I am on paper, if I don't feel worthy inside myself, it'll it all reflect back to me. And you know, the irony of it is that once we create this experience, these experiences based on our core beliefs, say of not being worthy, something in the mind goes, so see, I was right. Mm. This person is rejecting me, or I'm not successful in this, or I failed in this, or I'm not good in school, or I'm not good at work, or I'm fired, or whatever. That reinforces that core belief. So we continue on living in this illusion of, of, who we really are not, because truly who we are is something very beautiful and worthy. We're absolutely worthy. So, Dr. Wendy, I'm, I'm sure the listeners would like to know, because I, I know that I know what we went through together in the workshop, but I'm sure they would like to know what what that process really looks like, how how together we got, to, and like you do with many of your clients, we got to the to that core belief and changed it. What does that look like? So the first stage is what I call discovery. And when someone comes to see me, for example, um, we'll talk for maybe an hour or two of, I'll ask questions of what happened in their childhood. And most people say, well, I don't remember, or I just have a scanty remembrance of my childhood. But as I ask questions, you know, believe it or not, memory starts to come in. And I also um, read between the lines. So if someone makes, a, a say, a dismissive comment that, oh, mom and dad didn't get along or they drank a lot, um, but I was fine with it. I read between the lines, and I know that from a child's point of view, that might have been uh, stressful. So the discovery stage might be me sitting down with whoever I'm working with and taking a history, and then we begin doing a process called regression, which we mentioned a few minutes ago. And most people hear that word regression and go, oh, no, what does that mean? That's so scary, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Was that scary when you first heard that? Yeah, it was. I had no idea what it would be like. And there are certainly preconceived notions about what regression is. It's not necessarily about past lives necessarily. You can regress to, like I did, a moment in the womb that I, I didn't remember. Regression is just going back in time. And most most of us, and I remember uh, years ago when I first started this work and the idea of regression was introduced to me, it's really scary because intuitively we know that there's hidden emotion back there and hidden memory. We don't really want to find out 
that we're not loved maybe or that we're not worthy. It's just too much to, to face that feeling. So we tend to be scared of it. Right. And Even if you it. don't consciously remember it, you yeah. like you said, subconsciously, you might know that there's something traumatic there that you, you don't want to revisit. But Right. So we talked in uh, our last conversation about warrior spirit. And mm-hmm. this is where warrior spirit comes in for people. This is why I admire my clients so much is that they uh, have the courage to allow me to help them to go back to these high-impact moments that were uh, hurtful or scary or whatever and to look at them bravely and to discover the decisions that were made and to be able to do the processes that actually heal it. You know, if we don't do that, we're stuck with what our childhood programmed us to be. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't go away ever for our entire lives until we actually face it. It's kind of like facing the dragon, you know, mm-hmm. and turning to the dragon and saying, okay, do your best, go ahead and kill me, because I'm not going to live another day like this. I'm not going to live another day not feeling I'm worthy or not feeling, the, not feeling safe. So facing the dragon and doing that regression is something, but you know, I make it very, very safe as safe as possible, to do it in baby steps, to do this regression. So the way we start is that we use a current experience, something that's going on in your life, in the present, and it might be maybe you're anxious about something, or maybe you're depressed about something, or maybe a relationship isn't working. And I have you actually remember a recent time where you felt this feeling, and the feeling might be, well, I feel scared, or I'm despondent, or I'm angry, or I'm upset. And using that feeling as a springboard into the past. Now, our subconscious mind speaks to us in a very subtle language, in the language of intuitive feeling, of images, of a tiny little voice inside of us, a little feeling or a hunch or a spontaneous thought. And those, the, when I suggest that the mind will go back from the current feeling to one where it actually began, automatically pictures and thoughts and feelings start to come up. It's, it takes a lot of trust. I, I remember feeling, what's the word, kind of doubtful almost. I was, and also scared because I didn't want to remind myself of that feeling, that anxious feeling that I, that I was feeling in my daily life or that feeling of not being worthy. I didn't want to go back to it in the present much less in the past but I was so surprised where it took me I was so surprised that upon allowing myself to go there the past did come up in a much more clear way than I ever even anticipated and you know that's so amazing that people actually who say I have no memory of my childhood or very little memory can go back and describe a room and the people where they were standing what they were doing what they felt what actually was occurring and so even though memory isn't perfect there's enough information there that you can get what actually happened to you and there's a handful of experiences the high-impact moments that form these core beliefs. The rest is just reinforcing it. Okay, Dr. Wendy, so then what's the next step? Okay, the next step then is once you go back and identify those high-impact moments, and we just do one at a time, we acknowledge that they actually happened. And we actually allow ourselves to feel the emotions 
that we felt at that time. And sometimes that comes in little baby steps. Maybe it comes slowly. Sometimes it comes all at once. But the important thing is to acknowledge what we experienced and what we felt. And once we do that, then we can take the next step, which is what I call rescuing the infant or the fetus or the child. And going in as the adult, you are in the present, to that little child and actually communicating with them away in ways that are loving and that acknowledge you as a witness. Imagine that, that you can go back to the child that you were or the fetus you were in your case and acknowledge to that little soul, that beautiful little soul, what you knew happened to them because maybe nobody else ever acknowledged it or knew about it Mm. or maybe they were dismissive of it. But you having experienced it and can go back to that part of yourself and communicate. And this can be really wonderful and emotional and sometimes at first seems a little strange Mm -hmm. to go back or weird to go back and talk to, maybe even pick up and hold in your arms using a pillow and imagining that that is the child that you were and saying, hello, sweet girl, or hello, sweet boy. I'm your adult self, and I've come through time and space to rescue you. And I know what happened to you. I know what hurt you. And I'm going to tell you what it is because I was there. And I love you with all of my heart. And I'm not going to leave you. And I'm going to help you understand that it wasn't your fault. I'm going to help you understand that you were so young and your mind's still developing that you didn't have a perspective to understand the way I can as the adult and to explain to that child all that he or she needs to hear. And this begins the real transformation and is often very emotional. Sometimes uh, whoever's doing this work is crying. Remember that? Mm -hmm. What it was like for you? It was... Yeah, like you said, it was it was first a little bit odd. You're not used to giving yourself that. You're constant. You're looking for that healing outward in an outward way, and from coming from an external source. And so, to speak to yourself like that, and to do that healing within yourself instead of seeking it elsewhere, at first is a little bit strange. But it's it is very emotional. It's holding yourself like that and comforting yourself like that and that healing piece is so important because we went back to that moment that high impact moment but we did more than that we 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 healed around that moment and was it not emotional were there not tears was there not anger sometimes yes it, it was anger too anger was certainly something that came up and and the tears were just flowing and and I remember sometimes being at a loss for words and then asking my myself what it what it was that my inner child really needed to hear and having those answers come to me very clearly because it it was within myself I knew what my inner child needed to hear and it was beautiful and and it was painful too Mm -hmm. but in that pain it was liberating. There's so much more to talk about and to learn. So 
In our next podcast, we're going to talk about the next stage on how you got to this wonderful feeling of being worthy. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I know that you want people to contact you and ask you questions about your experience or about this experience of the workshop. So again, remind them your contact. Yes, like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, anyone can contact me via email. I always check it at mari.young, M-A-R-I dot young, 26 at gmail.com. And I invite you all as well to contact me and ask questions at wendyhill.com. And we will see you in our next talk, in our next conversation, Mari. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. Thank you for listening. Remember that you're worthy and loved beyond your own understanding. This is a universal truth. It is meant for you to know and experience this truth in your whole being. If you want to learn more about this experience and how to be truly happy, please go to my website, wendyhill.com. Meanwhile, practice warrior spirit and talk with love to that little child within you. Thank you.